Okay, this is the Stand League Podcast. That's, I think, what we're calling it now. Uh, my name is Evan Wexel, and uh, I am interviewing every episode a different blogger uh, for StandLeague.org. We have a great blog section on the website. And uh, today, I, I think, is uh, one of the gold standards of people that I know, I think. Uh, impressionist, actor, but writer, given the site... Uh, this is Jim Meskimen. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm good, Evan Wexel. Good. I've been calling you Evan Wexel for a long time. And Everyone, ninety-eight percent of the I people out there. I think it's more there. sophisticated when you say yeah, Wexel. Wexel's more rednecky. Yeah, but Wexel. That, Evan Wexel. Get on that John Deere, <laughs> Mister Wexel. Uh, yeah, so this is cool because I've you know we I do comedy and you do comedy and we Sorry, we both man. go on stage and mm-hmm. we do crazy amazing things. I like and to make people laugh. I, yeah, I feel like I wanted to maybe start the interview with you just in person, maybe impersonating. So I'm like, welcome to the podcast. Uh, change it up a little, George W. Bush. Uh, what do you want to say about uh, what you're up to? Well, I want to tell you what uh, I'm. Uh... I'm retired, <laughs> but uh, I'm still active. <laughs> I can still move all my limbs. <laughs> Do a lot of painting. <laughs> nice. Now, 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 if I'll speak to Jim again. Hey. Um, so, where, where was your? What was your first voice? I want to like. So we'll talk oh, about your blogging, and I'm, but I do want to talk about you as well. Yeah, you know, I well, as a kid, I like to do a lot of different voices. I was kind of shy about it, and uh, I didn't want to perform it very much. I would, you know, on a long road trip, I would break out the crazy voices to make my friends laugh and stuff. But I, to be a you know professional, you know, I really got started in the '80s when I moved to New York City, and uh, you know, I was broke and I needed work, and I started yeah. to try to sell my voice. And back then in the '80s. Like we have Morgan Freeman now. Back in the eighties, <laughs> we had Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. Oh, he was the best. Who was in Rocky? But before that, he was. Yeah, and he did a lot of voiceover stuff, and he did the kind of stuff and the kind of reads that Morgan Freeman does. He was kind of the voice of authority and gentleness and avuncular stylings. And and I I used to work and do his voice a lot. He was a great penguin. Yeah. He was a great penguin. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in a fantastic version of Waiting for Godot, I found, with, with, uh, with Zero Mostel, but oh, from wow. 1960, blah, blah. But anyway, so that's, that's kind of, I started doing that and other impressions, and then I did some, a lot of animation in yeah. New York, and uh, I just keep doing it. I consider you taking over for Rich Little. Like, Rich Little's on the way out, maybe. Well, or, you know, he is such an say? icon, and I, I look forward to meeting him someday. He still performs. Oh, good. And, uh, he mainly kind of has, I think he has a smaller right. grouping of voices that he does. He does Reagan really well, yeah. and uh, and Johnny Carson, and uh, Jimmy Stewart, who he, he knew personally. Yeah. and So he's got the, that that nice corral of great characters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the whole business has changed, and there's not too many people that that have a Vegas act. It, yeah, it's very classical. Very classical. And, Refined. And so now a lot of guys like me who do voices and do impressions and like to do that kind of stuff, we wind up doing a lot of animation. We do a lot of sound-like stuff. I went into Warner Brothers yesterday and did Charles Dance's voice <laughs> for a line they needed for this upcoming movie. And it's like, well, I, a bunch of us auditioned for it. I got it this wow. time. So There you go. Yeah. That's good. And so so now, uh, since we're doing the, this, this is for Stan League, yes. did... did um, did your art lead you to Scientology, or yeah. how did you find your way? Yeah, I, I, my art definitely led me to Scientology. So I've always been an, a visual artist as well. So I painted and right. drew. I worked as an illustrator and a cartoonist, and I was very seriously studying oil painting 
with a very serious master who was Spanish. Okay. And uh, in uh, L.A. out here? No, in, in first in Santa Cruz, California. Wow. Okay. California, and then I went to Spain. Yep. And uh, a couple of times, uh, a couple of long trips out oh. there. And uh, I, when I was studying oil painting, I was working from reality, which I'd never really done before. I'd always create out of my head, and I taught myself to cartoon and draw stuff out of my imagination. But when I want, I, I did have this desire. I thought, I can be a painter. i got to learn to paint stuff. So I started studying painting with this guy, Miguel Arguello, who was a tremendous painter. And once you start to really kind of pursue something serious, like I don't care if it's ice skating or concert piano piano or whatever it is it gets real you know you mm-hmm. have to like measure up you've got to you've got to confront life and really you know there's it just seems like more of a game mm-hmm. so rather than just well whatever you want to do oh i wanted to do it like that i wanted to draw that guy with a chin that looks like a, a cucumber yeah. in this case it was like no there is this still life or there is this model and it's just tough you know yeah. you gotta you're trying to chase it you're trying to chase it down and and that, and vanquish it. And so at that point, I realized, wow, I have trouble seeing what's in front of me. Wow. I, I'm having trouble. I, and, I, and like my teacher would point something out. He says, well, you see this kind of blue glare coming off of this thing, right? And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't. I don't. Whoa. I don't see it. And it was painful to try to chase reality and realize I was always, it would be like if you had some sort of a weird time lag, you know, like if, Anytime you made a motion, three seconds later, it would actually manifest. And that's kind of how I felt about my artwork. And yet at the same time, I knew I had potential. I just didn't know, other than to just keep banging my head against the wall, what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And my painting teacher had uh, found out about Dianetics. He recommended I read the book. And I did. And the book really had a big impact on me because I had been going through a lot of the things that the book talks about. Yeah. I had been sort of hearing voices. I had been feeling weird emotions out of nowhere. I had been having all these strange images and, and stuff just popping up from where, from what, what. And I knew stuff was holding me back uh, because I could feel it. Yeah. I, it felt all pent up. Palpable, yeah. 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 So that's, that's what led me you know, directly into, i got to find out more about this because this book is really interesting and I, I'm not willing to go on experiencing the kind of discomfort that I feel. I wasn't even acting then. I wasn't doing any performing, even though I had a deep-seated desire to do it. Yeah. I was so withdrawn from that, I had no uh, n- no ability to push through the losses and the discomfort to even approach that. Yeah. So I was like so far off of my actual purposes. Yeah. And, and it was made me very desperate. Was there a time where like you could feel having started to study Scientology or Dianetics... Was there like now like an artistic experience where maybe it was an audition or maybe you were starting to act where having that knowledge under your belt really like paid dividends? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It happened very quickly, actually. It's yeah. amazing. Was, the big things that I was trying to handle, in my, no, I was about 23 years old when I finally got in session, finally started studying Scientology uh, in earnest. Yep. Uh, and right away it started paying dividends because I had... What I was trying to handle was this feeling of, like, I don't know what my purpose is. I just don't feel like I have an even keel. I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down, I'm yeah. up, I'm down, all the time, all the time. And it just never evens out. I'm like, God, it's great to go up. The down is just killing me. And the other thing was jealousy. When I had, like, a girlfriend <laughs> or something, it was like Jake LaMotta, you know, it was like Raging Bull. I'm like, where were you? Oh, my God. You know, but I, I wasn't confrontational, but... 
I'm not that tough, but but I, in my mind, I'm like, where was she? Was she seeing somebody? I bet she was, you know, and feeling pain. And so those things got handled so fast, it's stupid. I mean, I, I did some sessions. I did like what they call life repair. I did like wow. uh, 12 and a half hours of auditing. And those things never bothered me again. Uh, so, you know, I, I right away started feeling better. I mean, the stage fright a little bit had to took a little while. I actually had to get up on stage, but I had the, I had the knowledge of like, oh well, here's how you handle your stage fright. Right. That was one of the first uh, the first lecture I ever heard of LRH, L. Ron Hubbard lecture was um, about handling an audience. They yep. said, you, oh, you have stage fright. You should listen to this. So I listened to this tape, and he said he was talking about, well, this is what you do for stage fright. Try it. And I went, oh, gee, I never would have done that. Let me try that. <laughs> and I tried that, and I was like, oh, this is better. And then I just continued to sort of apply that. And after a while, I was like, stage fright, stage fright, you know, I, no problem. I, and now I feel very, very comfortable. Forever after, I've felt tremendously comfortable in front of all Could you share, like, one part of that tip? Like, what was, like, maybe like, one thing you could pass on without, Well, like, it has to do with... Altering it too much? Yeah, or? yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky. But um, yeah. it, it has to do with actually confronting audiences. Right. Uh, the fact is, you've, you've been in contact with many audiences in your past. Yep. They've not always been friendly. And it's good to come into present time with actual audiences, confront them for what they are, and let all the rest of that debris just kind of yeah. fly off you. It's nothing mystical. It's like, okay, go to the movies. And uh, instead of just sitting down right away, go to the front of the theater where people are sitting and just look at them. You know, they're not looking at you. They're, <laughs> they're looking at the screen or they're looking at their phones these days. But you can look at them and you are in front of an audience. And that can have, if you do that enough, it, has, it actually has a therapeutic effect. And yeah. after a while, you're like, huh, audiences, big deal. Not like, huh, audiences. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's the essential part of like comedy. Just like I have to, because so, if I'm playing a song as a comedian, sometimes I just like look in some mystery location in the, in the room uh -huh. where it's like, just look at the people. It's okay to look at them. And uh, then it kind of, yeah, it does kind of go away because yeah, yeah. you're just there. Yeah, and it's better than, it's easier than like that somebody, I think it was Gail, Dale Carnegie or somebody gave advice. Well, just, you hear this, well, you know, just imagine everybody's naked out there. Right, they're, un they're underwear. That's, that's tricky, that's tricky. And I always, wonder, <laughs> I always wondered, what, what does a nudist do? A nudist comedian, does he imagine Magically. people with a full clothes? Good. <laughs> so now let's, let's transition to, you've written a few blogs for Stand. Yeah. And this, this, you know, you kind of jump right to it with this title. You have a blog mm -hmm. that is titled, Do Scientologists Believe in Aliens? <laughs> yeah. We yeah. cut right to it. Because well, I, it's not so much even the literal, it's, it's like when someone says that to you, like just explain like what, what you wanted to address by like answering that. Because that, yeah. that's such a question and a belief that's thrown all around. It's thrown but, around willy-nilly. Yeah, I remember seeing one time on a People magazine or something, and they had some funny kind of weird comment about Scientology. And they had actually placed a little uh, graphic of a flying saucer, a goofy flying saucer, over the little blurb about Scientology. I'm like, where the hell does this come from? <laughs> it's so bizarre. But then I, I recognized in this culture, it's very, it's a, there's a very funny dichotomy. There's two things that can't exist at the same place, but they do, right? Mm -hmm. And that is, one is the easiest way if you're in an interview situation or talking about another person, right. the easiest way to d defame them and make them seem like an idiot is to say that they believe in aliens. Right. Or, you know, or it, it's like saying... It's a technique more than like yeah. an actual accusation. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, well, he, you know, he, he's, he believes in UFOs or he's probably a UFO chaser or he goes to watch his... You know, 
videos or something like that. So that that is very you, you see that all the time, right? And that and people in the news use it. I mean, they don't even realize they're saying it. I don't think, but it's that association of a person who believes in aliens is a crazy person, right? Right. Meanwhile, in this country, what are the most popular uh, literary and film genres? Science fiction. Yeah. Alien races. What does Star Wars say? Star Wars starts off and says, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far yep. away. That's not even in this neighborhood. No. That's <laughs> really far away and, and in another time. And people have no trouble getting totally wrapped up in that, getting totally enthusiastic about it, buying whatever <laughs> they can find <laughs> that has that alien imprimatur, and uh, you know, talking about it, imagining about it, writing books about it. So... I have eight lightsabers now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, just shake any one of us, and we've got all kinds of weird gear. And, and, uh, and people can have, you know, people have long conversations about yeah. it. So how do these two things exist? It's very wild to me. And then so we make fun of Scientologists because we think they believe in aliens. I don't know where they get it. And, uh, you know, then we, uh, we, at the same time, we revere and we are obsessed with yeah. aliens and science fiction. It's, it's, I don't see how they both can exist in the same yeah. place. So I, that's why I wrote the blog. I, I just thought it was an interesting observation that maybe I hadn't heard anybody mention. You know? No, I mean, go out there and, and do it. Um, and it's almost like we're so like sensitive now on social media, mm. yet we're like the last bastion of like insensitivity where, where people can just kind of come at us yeah. and it's okay. Yeah, right. It's but fine. soon it's going to catch acceptable. up. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a matter of time before someone says something at the wrong time. Yeah, like it's, it's, it wouldn't it wouldn't even work. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, nobody ever comes to me and personally says anything. Right, I never had anybody. Well, okay, one time, <laughs> one time a friend of mine. Right, uh, I told him, well, I'm I'm going to go down to the Caribbean because we have a ship down there, and I'm going to be on the ship. Right, and he said to me, now tell me, Jim, is it a is it a spaceship? <laughs> and I said no. It's a cruise ship, but that's food. the closest. That's the, with food, a and, lot of food, and but that's rooms, <laughs> and rooms and saunas and, and a pool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's that's a close. But so most people don't. But I think I don't know. I, I just assume because I see it in printed material. Yeah. And uh, things that antagonistic people you know put up. Yeah. That it's that that's the kind of diatribe that they're flinging at us that we believe in flying saucers. I don't know. I I always felt like. I would like to see a flying saucer. I, I've not been lucky enough. Wasn't to see there one. one over LA like a year ago? They didn't have one. Like or yeah, they were just right. testing yeah. something from Texas. Know, every or? now and then, I, I confess, yeah. I go on YouTube and I look and see. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, look, is anybody taking any interesting yeah. pictures? And a lot of times, they're obviously faked. Or they're yeah. just kind of like, oh, that's pretty murky, or that eh, could be photoshopped, or I don't know. But I, I don't know. It's yeah. a big planet. It's a big universe. You know. Even Carl Sagan, as I mentioned in my. Uh, in my blog, he said, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that with a universe this big, there isn't some other yeah. intelligent life out there. Fine. I mean, obviously, they're not walking the streets next to us like, like a typical Star Trek episode. Yeah. They're not, oh, he's the guy that works in the gymnasium. You know, he's got three arms and he'll hand you a towel. <laughs> and do you, do you ever have, like, situations where, like, if, if an actor or actors know you're, they're working with you, do they ever, like, ask you about Scientology ever? Or do you ever, like, is there ever, like, a handling? Or is it kind of, no, it doesn't really come up as much as... It doesn't come up. I right. mean, I think, you know, like you said, we're all a little bit sensitive and gun-shy and yeah. about, you know, people's religions and who's listening and right. deep, deep-seated deep beliefs and stuff sure. like that. And often a film set is not 
yeah. not the place anyway. You're sort yeah. of, you know, it's a high tension area and you're just trying to get your get job done. Get the shot and get, and get, get out shot. of there by midnight and <laughs> yeah, not exactly. double golden but time. But no, but you know, when I have friends, obviously I have friends right. that I talk to and when we become really strong friends and we talk about deep-seated things, yeah. then uh, I listen to what they have to say about their beliefs and uh, hopefully they listen to mine. But it's, yeah. you know, it's a politeness thing. Right. Yeah. Um, what if there was a book that maybe you'd want on someone like interested to, to pick up maybe? What could be like a good introductory thing they could look at? Or well, The Fundamentals wanted- of Thought. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, book, the, the first book of Scientology is, is considered to be The Fundamentals of Thought. It's yeah. an easy book to read. It's written very simply. It talks about all our... Uh, what the practice of Scientology actually is, where it came from, mm-hmm. and what it does for people. Okay. And, and I think after that, if you really read it and really check it out, yeah. uh, give it a little time. There's also a DVD of it. If you don't like reading, you can watch the DVD. <laughs> like it's very nice, yeah. very nice video. Yeah. Uh, uh, then, then you have some idea and you can be conversant with it. Then I think you'd have some questions. Yeah. You know, most people today, I think they don't have questions because they're so... I got asking questions about headlines. They're not exactly. asking questions about articles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you know so little... You're like, so you have a place in Hollywood? Uh, what's Center? That like? yeah, a... What is that? Uh, and then they've, they're trying to, I think, I bet inside their minds they're trying to shunt aside all the kind of ugly things they've heard because so they don't want to be insulting. So they're like pushing away all this stuff that maybe is like, well, ah, that was just upsetting. I don't know what that is, you know, yeah. and uh, I can't ask about that. And, uh, and and then they get, well, so you have a driveway in your church? <laughs> so, I don't know. But once you know a little bit more about it, or once right. you talk to a Scientologist and really start to say, just say something simply like, so what do you believe? You know, what about life after death? What about uh, how do you raise children? Yeah. Uh, any of these kind of fundamental religious questions, you know? Sure. Uh, what is good? What is evil to you? Uh, after you kind of get some of those answers, I think then you can make an intelligent question. You know, yeah. have, actually have an interesting dialogue. Yeah. I think cool. it'd be very interesting. Yeah. Well, awesome. This was really interesting. I, I never got like your story of like the origins of Jim Mescal. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, I was that. close. I almost really crashed and burned. I thought, I thought, well, I'm either going to go to jail or I'm going to die. Wow. Because I was doing drugs and I was trying to solve it in the way that you know most young, a lot of young people do today. I yeah. won't say most, but a lot of people are like, well, I think I'll get high because that seems to work. But and then what after? When, then what next? Then what next? <laughs> yeah, it works up to a point, and then drugs are such a terrific trap, and you're like, right. oh, this isn't really working. I'm, I have no friends. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll definitely we'll read we'll read you on stands. But is there yep. other other stuff like there's the Jim Pression show that you do? Yeah, you know I'm on my YouTube channel. I put up videos every day. You do at least one a day. I subscribe. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's called Jim Meskimen. You send out cartoons on your mailing list. I have a cartoon. That was a good contest, caption. Uh, I should contest. enter them more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you win a swell prize. Yeah, I, I, I got stuff going on all the time. I, uh, my mother's got a book coming out. She's Marion Ross of Happy Days, yep. and her autobiography is coming out on March twenty fourth. Ooh, uh, and that's going to be pretty sweet. And I I did part of the audio book of it. I my my section where I talked. Did you about do it in a, in a feminine voice to be so like she was reading it, or was it more? To the whole book in her voice. No, I, just, <laughs> I did my part as myself. Oh, good. Yeah, and then Ron Howard. Then and Ron Howard. Howard then you did Ron Howard. I, I, I was willing. I was willing to. I, was, <laughs> I, I said, if he's not available to read this forward, I will do it for him. Nice, cool, Jim. Well, yeah, thanks for your time, You're and uh, we we appreciate it. My pleasure. Great.